2: God is interested in building your house. God wants to build your house. God wants to keep your house. And the word house in the scripture is a very important word. In fact, this word is found in your New International Version, English version of the Bible, over 900 times translated, the word house, over and over again. Because God is interested in your house. He cares about your house. Now, when you hear the word house, it's important in scripture to understand what it means. There are four basic meanings to the word house. It represents, first of all, your own life because you are a house. The Bible says that your life is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so God wants to build your house, that's your life. And then your house represents your family, those most intimate relationships you have in life. Your house represents the work that you do because every day you're investing professionally or occupationally in something that you're building with your life. And your house represents the work that you do for god the service for his kingdom and so all of these are found in the concept of house both in the old testament and in the new testament and jesus wants to build your house and part of building your house is providing for your needs because have you know that houses have needs right every house has some needs And so to understand how Jesus builds your house, you have to also understand how he makes provision for your house. I want to take you to an Old Testament story in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we'll see the story of a lady who learned something about God taking care of the provision of her house. It's a sad story at one level, but also a very uh, joyous story on another level as we see God touching this lady at her need in her house. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. This is taking place during the time of a prophet by the name of Elisha. And there, there are two prophets that sort of go together in the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was the follow-up or the predecessor or, the, or the, uh, the, the one who had been mentored by Elijah. And so this is during the time of the prophet Elisha. Let me read for you beginning in verse number 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterward shut the door and behind her with her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What I want you to see here, first of all, in this story is it's a story about a miracle that happened in a lady's house. Everything that transpires here in this story happened in a lady's home, in a lady's environment, a lady who had gone through a very traumatic event. she just lost her husband, and in losing her husband, she was facing all of the debt that had now been left behind, and she does not know how she's going to cover that debt. And so she reaches out to Elisha the prophet for some wisdom and insight to know what to do, and there God meets her in a very wonderful way. I want to share with you today five lessons from this story that can help you to understand how God will meet the needs in. In your life and meet the needs in your house number one the first thing you must understand from the story is you must realize that lack is a part of life the woman in this story had a major problem didn't she look at her circumstance again the bible says that her servant the servant of god her husband was dead and she had been left with a major debt this was a godly lady but she was nevertheless very needy And without miraculous provision, she's going to be in big trouble. She's going to face a grim future. This lady had a very significant need in her life. She was lacking resources. And lack is an unavoidable part of life. And a lack is when you need something and it's not there. And lack is a part of life. And there are times when what you and I are missing in life actually is critical to where we will go in life. Lack can lead you to some good places if you handle it the right way. That's the second point I want to share with you. If you're going to learn a lesson from the story, you have to learn to make God your source because lack should always lead us to God. There's a story in the Bible that really illustrates, many stories in the Bible illustrates the idea of lack leading to God. But the story I want to share with you, in parallel with the other story we're looking at in, from the book of 2 Kings, is a story of a, a young man who left home. It's a story of the prodigal son that's found in Luke chapter 15. You might recall the story of this young man who said to his dad, Dad, I'm kind of tired of living at home. I want you to give me all of my resources, all of my inheritance. I'm going to leave home and go do my own thing. And so his dad gave him the resource, and he went out, and he wasted it all while living. And he found himself having nothing. He was in a place of lack. And the Bible says that while he'd spent everything he had, he did not even have resources for food and he found himself uh, fulfilling a job where he was taking care of a bunch of pigs and he had to eat the same food the pigs were eating. And again, he finds himself in a significant place of not having what he needed in life. He's in a place of lack. Now let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 17. I'll read verses 17 and 18. I want you to see what happened when this man, this young man came to an understanding of his lack. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's, father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. You note the story that after that, he returns home. His father receives him again and he kills the fattened calf. They have a big party. He welcomes him back. But what I want you to see, it was the lack that led him back to the father. When this lady cried out to Elisha, she was in essence crying out to God. Her lack produced prayer. It produced a call to God. It produced her being in a desperate place. Her needy place became a desperate place where she reached out to God. Let me tell you something about your lack leading you to God. When your lack leads you to God, you need to understand some things about the God that you're going to. Number one, you need to know that God knows and cares about your need. That's important. God knows. God is not blinded to, he's not disconnected to the circumstances you're facing in your life right now. He knows everything that you and I are facing. But not only does he know, but he also cares. He cares about you. Listen to Matthew 6, verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Notice that knowledge and care. Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. Say that with me. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. When you go to God in your lack, you must know that God knows and God cares about your need. Second of all, read with me. God invites you to bring your needs to him. That's one of the things I really love about God. God is so great and wonderful, but God just, in so many different ways, but one of the wonderful things about God is He is always open to us bringing every need to Him. And He invites us to do that. And so whatever lack is in your life this this evening, whatever you're facing right now, that you say, you know what? I just don't have that what I need. It's just not there in my life right now. God, I'm coming to you because I believe that you know what I lack and you care about it. But you've also invited me into your presence to actually ask this of you. Notice Matthew 11, 28. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what's the word there? Rest. And rest obviously includes a provision of what you need. Hebrews 4, 16. One of my favorite verses in the book of Hebrews. I love this verse. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we're in need, we can go to God with the awareness and confidence that he's there to help us. The third thing that I want you to note here is that when you cry out to God in a need, you must understand that God is, what is He? He's able to meet your needs. Isn't that good to know? He cares about you. He knows about your needs. He cares about your needs. Every need in your life right now, He invites you to come and present your needs to Him. But we must understand that He is well able to meet every need in your life. There's not a single need that you have right now that God doesn't have a warehouse in heaven to take care of for you. There's something that is available for you That may not always look exactly like you and I expect it to look, but God is able to make provision. God is a provisional God. He is a supplying God. One of the names of God is Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who is our provider. Abraham learned his name as Jehovah-Jireh, the providing God. And so God is able to meet your needs. Philippians 4, 19, and my God will meet all your needs. It doesn't say he might meet all your needs. It says that he will meet all of your needs according to his glory. Glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Genesis 22 8 says, Abraham answered, God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went out together. Abraham had an awareness of the provision of God. And then verse 13 and 14 Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So the Lord called that place, the Lord will. Provide, And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be what? Provide. When you get into God's presence, you can always know that there's provision in the presence of God. The third lesson that we learn from this wonderful story of Second Kings chapter 4, and this lady that cried out to Elisha and her need, is that you and I must learn to plant seeds for our needs. You know, pressing needs in your life can blind you to the possibilities and the potential of miracles around you. When you're caught up with your need, all you can see is your need. When you're caught up with your lack, generally all you can see is your lack. And this was the case with this lady. Notice verse 2 of 2 Kings chapter 4 as we go back to the story. So she tells the story to Elisha about her husband being dead, having debts that she has to pay. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me. Notice this statement. What do you have in your House. Notice what is the first what's the question that Elisha asked? What do you have in your house? Okay, this is important. Notice her response. What does she say? Your servant has nothing. What is her initial response? I don't have anything. I have nothing there at all. And then it seems as though as a little bit of a little side thought, an extra thought, she said, Except a little oil. I don't have anything in my house. Oh well, I've got a little bit of oil. So all she could see was the massive nature of her need. She couldn't see the resource that was there. She could see the problem, but she couldn't see the solution. Our God is the God of solutions. God is not just the God who points out problems. God is the God who helps you find solutions to your problem. And in this situation, Elisha understands that this lady is going to need to be a part of the miracle. There's something that she's going to need to do. There's something that she will need to engage in for this miracle to happen. And so he asked her the question, what do you have in your house? It was not to point out the lack. It was to point out something that was there that she was not seeing. And for every one of you in your life right now, there's something that you have in your life right now that is the seed for a miracle in your life right now. And most likely you're not seeing it because all you can see is the problem. You're not seeing the solution. And there's a there's a seed In your life right now, there's something in your house right now that's the very seed for the solution to the problem that you're trying to deal with in your life. God always gives you a seed to help you to meet every need in your life. And so God did this for this lady. And so she's able to begin to recognize and begin to understand this possibility. And this is the way God works in every circumstance. I'll take you to another story in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 14, you might recall the story of Jesus teaching one day. And there's this massive group of people that were listening to the words of Jesus. And then as Jesus concluded the message time, he says, we've got to feed all these people. And the disciples say, well, you've got to be kidding, Jesus. There are 5,000 men plus women and children. There's no way that we can feed 5,000 plus people. And notice the story now in verses 15 15 through 21 of Matthew 14. Here's the disciples' response to Jesus' request to feed the crowds. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So let's stop there for a moment. Let's just picture that you and I are in this story, and Jesus is saying, okay, there are 5,000 people here, and it's time to feed everybody. So Jesus said, I want you to feed all these folks. And and the disciples you know, you've got to be kidding, Jesus. We don't ha- send them away. Maybe there's a Seven Eleven down the street. Maybe there's a giant on the corner. Maybe there's something else they can do. Uh, there's not a way, you know, we, we can't handle this. This is beyond us. This. this is too big. There's a lack here, okay? We don't have the resource to do this. And this is how they're responding. And Jesus said, no, I want you to give them something to eat. Now, somewhere in this sequence of things, they had discovered, because Jesus had asked them to look among the crowd and see what was there, and they discovered a little boy with a, with a lunch, five loaves and two fish, right? And so they'd found this little bit of resource. Here's what I want you to see. Let's go back to the story again. Verse 17. We have here only five only. Notice that word. Only, only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Keyword there is only. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he looked, gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up twelve basket, basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men beside women and children. Everybody say miracle right there, right? Would you agree that's a miracle, correct? But I want you to see this. This is so important in your life right now. Because here was this massive need to feed five thousand men plus women and children in this environment, and Jesus said, "Feed them, and they said, "We don't have anything and Jesus said, "Look again, what do you have? We only have five loaves and two fish and Jesus said this, "Bring them to me and the little bit that they brought to Jesus. what did he do? He lifted them up to heaven, broke them, and blessed them. And fed and multiplied and met the need, not just barely met it, but met it abundantly, so that there were 12 basketfuls left over, so that every disciple had a basketful for themselves. Isn't that amazing? This is important because when we talk about Jesus working miracles in your house, Part of that miracle is the miracle of provision, providing for you everything that you need in your house. And it always starts with a seed that you're willing to give to Jesus, a seed that you're willing to extend to Him, something that you have right now that seems insufficient for the need, but if you bring it to Jesus, he has the capacity to enlarge it and multiply it and do something with it that you could never dream possible. There are miracles in your house waiting to happen right now, it's waiting on you to release that seed in. What is a seed thing? Let's take a look at some examples of the seed that might be in your house. I've given you seven here, seven seeds. It might be a gift that God wants you to give. Maybe there's something little that you can give that opens up great doors. See that little boy gave his lunch, right? Did the boy did the little boy suffer? No. Did he think he might suffer initially? yeah but in the giving he gave up his lunch and in giving up his lunch he actually got more lunch and sometimes the great pathway to getting more in life is being a giver so when you and i learn to give giving is the pathway to receiving and so in your life it might be something along the pathway of learning to expand your giving it might be an attitude that god wants you to change you so know just the changing of one key attitude in your life can make a huge difference it might be a relationship that God wants you to mend. Maybe there's this little thing going on with you and somebody else. And God says, if you'll just get that right, that one little thing right in your life, it can unloose the blessing of all kinds of things that I want to do for you. It might be a, a new way of thinking that God wants you to develop. Just the adjustment. The fourth thing is you have to faithfully do your part. We've kind of alluded to that in this last point, but I want to specifically bring this out again. I want you to see that this lady had to participate in the process. She had to do her part. Going back to verses 3 through 6 of Second Kings chapter 4, after Elisha had asked her the question, what do you have in your house? She said, well, I've got nothing but a little bit of oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterward shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. I want you to notice what what, what Elisha told her to do. He said, I want you to go and borrow jars from your neighbors, okay? Now, don't you think that's a little bit silly, right? What, What are you borrowing jars for? but in borrowing jars she's now beginning to take as we'll see in a moment an act of faith okay she's doing something she's doing something with what she has she's making the request and so she goes and she borrows as many jars as possible her and her sons do they bring them back and they shut the door in a private place and then Elisha said I want you to begin to pour the oil into the jars now if you've got a little bit of oil in all these jars we don't know how many she had but it seemed to be a significant number of jars then pouring was an act of faith, wasn't it? Because she's taking the little that she has and she's going to start pouring out the little that she has. Okay? What is the tendency that you and I have when we have a little? What do we do when you have a little? When you have a little, you do this, right? Okay. When you have your lot, you do this, Okay right so but when you have a little you do this okay and so you hold tightly to the little that you have and so here was this thing that she's having now pour this out this is an act of faith that she's doing and so she begins to pour and i'm sure that as she poured the more she poured the more excited she became because wow you got to be kidding this is like an unending supply and by the time she gets to the last jar she said are there more jars Look at what God's doing, and this is the thing that can happen in your life, that as you're beginning to ask God to do miracles in your house, you get to the point where you say, look at what God can do. God is amazing. How many of you would agree that God is an amazing God, okay? He's a phenomenal God. He can can meet needs like you and I can't even imagine. I can look back over my life and see times of lack and struggle where God came through in ways that I could not even describe how He did that, but He knew what He was doing. He had the miracle prepared for me, but I had to take my steps I had to do what I needed to do I had to do some pouring out but when I poured out God says when you pour out I've got plenty for what you pour out okay So all these jars were filled up, but she had to do what only she could do in the situation. So she stepped out three words on your notes there, faith, obedience, and persistence. Those are key. That when you begin to take the seed that God has given you with faith, you begin to pour it out. You begin to do with it what you need to do with it, and you do it in faith. You do it in obedience. Sometimes you don't feel like doing it, but you do it because God said to do it. So you don't obey God because you feel like it. You obey God because He's right, okay? You don't obey God because you necessarily feel like it's the greatest thing to do. No, you obey God because God is true, and everything that He promises will come to pass. And so faith says, now I'm going to obey, but I'm not just going to obey for a little while. I'm going to persist in this process. I'm going to obey today, and then I'm going to also obey tomorrow. I'm going to obey the next day, and five days from today I'm going to obey, and a year from today I'm going to continue to obey. I'm going to live in an attitude of faith and obedience and persistence, and that's how miracles begin to happen in your house. See, it's not just for a moment. It's a long term process that you live out in your life. Faith, obedience, and persistence or perseverance key to this. And of course, this lady has all these jars that are filled up and filled to overflowing. And of course, that leads to this fifth point I want to give you tonight expect God to provide abundantly. Expect God to provide abundantly. the story of this lady begins with her facing some really big needs it ends with a very big miracle so it starts with big need it ends with big miracle look at the end of the story again 2nd Kings chapter 4 verse 7 she went and told the man of God and he said go sell the oil and pay your debts you and your sons can live on what is left she had a massive retirement program right there In one day she had everything that she needed in a matter of a few hours after collecting those jars, what has started out as this massive need now became, became this massive miracle. And none of this can be explained except for God. Okay. It can only be explained by the fact that she simply, with faith obeyed and persisted and God said I'm gonna take care of you beyond your wildest dreams and provision that day came to her house not just a little bit of provision not just enough to get by but every debt that she owed was paid and she had enough to live with her and her sons for the rest of her life Isn't that incredible Okay. I'm glad I'm glad that God cares about the provision in your house and anytime you have a lack and by the way you're going to always have lacks okay because lack in life should lead you to God okay every lack leads you to God every lack connects you to a source that is beyond you and of course when you and I connect with that source it produces resource far beyond anything that we could provide for ourselves amen